Hello, my name is Lori Ellis, and I'm a writer and editor with Pharma Intelligence. Today, I'm here with Reed D'Amico, Principal Regulatory Strategy, IQVIA, to discuss the benefits of using real-world data in early clinical stages. I want to thank you for joining me today. Let's just dive right in. What are the potential benefits to incorporating real-world data into the early stages of a development program? Awesome. Really like this question, Lori. Let's go ahead and dive right in. So I like to think of using real-world data in early stages really as this opportunity to set the stage. What are the things that you're going to need to know now? What are some of the data needs? But also, it's helpful to look down the road. What are some of the things that you're going to want to know as you execute this strategy? So within a handful of years, you may need another data source or you may want to understand the big picture goal. And this can really be done by first identifying what are your questions? What are some of the data needs really in order to answer these questions and really maximize this data collection, but also set some other strategies in motion, perhaps even a patient engagement strategy. Another helpful part of engaging early with real world data is identifying gaps earlier on. Not only does it just give you more time to help bridge these gaps, but it also gives you more time to go back to the drawing board and really understand how you might need to rethink your strategy in order to meet your goal. More specifically, things can also be learned earlier on by leveraging real-world data, such as informing the sample size, understanding your patient population better, also looking into real-world endpoints. Are these endpoints going to be viable? Are you going to be able to validate them? And overall, one of the key themes within this podcast is going to be finding opportunities for efficiencies and really figuring out how can you learn more faster. So at what point should a sponsor engage with the FDA then when using real-world data as a supplement to a study? So this is highly dependent on a number of things such as the therapeutic area and the market competition. But generally the advice that I give is earlier is better, really to make sure that you're not off track and that you can get some of this feedback from the agency being FDA earlier on. However, one thing I will caveat to say is you want to make sure that you're walking into these engagements with FDA when getting these feedback somewhat informed. You want to make sure that you're getting robust feedback that's going to really help inform your strategy, really help inform where you do have some key questions with FDA. Right now, the main mechanism for feedback for real-world inquiries is going to be in something called a Type C meeting. But perhaps there could be more mechanisms or more room for transparency to come really as the real-world ecosystem starts to evolve further. Outside of this question, I also want to underscore that there could be other mechanisms to either informally or more casually engage with FDA or other people within the ecosystem. This could include things such as workshops, demonstration projects, conferences, meetings, comment letters, and pilot projects. And really, all in all, these are really helpful ways earlier on to roll up your sleeves, learn a little bit more about how your competitors, your ecosystem, and the federal agencies are thinking about real world. Awesome. What factors should be considered when evaluating data relevance for a clinical study? So there are really many factors you're going to want to incorporate just to make sure that the data are relevant. All in all, these are going to be making sure that the data are going to be representative of your target patient population. So these can be concepts such as looking into inclusion and exclusion criteria, As mentioned earlier, also looking into endpoint validation and making sure that you can perform feasibility exercises, but also looking into standard of care. The patient population that you're looking at 10 years ago may have had a different standard of care, or meaning the concomitant therapies that those patients took a decade ago may be very different from what those concomitant therapies look like today. And those are very important factors to take into consideration. 
Another thing to consider as well is FDA has put out guidances that talk about some of these diversity requirements or their thinking around diversity as it relates to a clinical trial. When you're looking at real-world data for relevance, you're going to want to make sure that, one, are they going to be representative of your indication or your disease state in terms of a number of different diversity criteria? But also, are the data going to be representative of the country in which you're trying to have your products go on the market in that post-market type of setting? When should data registries be linked from an evidence perspective? That's a great question. So for this question, I would like to approach it more from the perspective of evidence and study design. So once again, the goal is how can we learn more faster? And one way to think about this is when you're designing the original registry, you might want to think about what are some of these opportunities to scale? Scale meaning either opportunities to expand an existing registry to understand once again this concept of what does a final stage look like? Or making sure that when you're designing this registry, it'll have the capability to link a little bit more seamlessly. When you take into account all these different uh, documentation types, all these different respective variables, to making sure that there's a little bit more synergy when these are linked. A more specific example of this could be if you're looking into developing a registry for a specific rare disease within a therapeutic area, that might be your immediate goal at hand, but perhaps even a few years down the road, you might want to expand that registry to take into account another rare disease that is still very closely related, perhaps even in the same therapeutic area. So really keeping that on the horizon as an opportunity to either link databases together, registries together, or opportunities as well to perhaps expand that existing registry, because perhaps linking these databases or these data together could lead to really synergistic outcomes, really enhance and enrich the data to inform some of these insights. Okay, that is a perfect segue into the next question. What impacts should be considered when linking multiple data sources? Another great question. So for me, I like to think about the impacts from the perspective of, once again, that early strategy here, which is think about this from the perspective of developing a repeatable process, really taking into account all of these respective opportunities, all these respective impacts up front, irrespective of what the linkage or what the data set may be. So looking at this from the perspective of, okay, what documentation needs may be needed when linking these data sets, or honestly, even just maintaining these registries going forward as well, but also looking at it from the perspective of governance. Who's going to have access to these? Who's going to be able to maintain them and make some of these decisions, either to access the data, perform quality control assessments, things of that nature? Also looking at it from the perspective of something that in regulatory we like to think about are these revision triggers. This ecosystem within real world is evolving rather rapidly. There could be something that comes out or changes, and you may need to go back to some of these registries or go back to look at some of these data to make sure that you can make some of these revisions to these data so that they're going to be fit for purpose when actually using them for regulatory decision making. That's fascinating. So then... What long-term insights can real-world data provide? So there's some, I think, more of the obvious ones that people tend to think about are going to be effectiveness of a product. Of course, safety, that's something that's also top of mind as well, especially after the COVID-19 pandemic with the vaccines that have come to market. Just the longer you can follow the data, the more insights can be informed. But I also like to think about this from the patient level as well. Diseases change over time, in part because sometimes patient populations age and the disease changes as a function of age, 
or the standard of care, as I mentioned above, also changes as well. So the disease and the patient burden all can be informed by following real-world data with a long-term oversight. Another thing to consider as well is real-world data can also provide insights into potential labeling expansion strategies, meaning the patient population indicated on a labeling may start to receive the same product but at a different dose. That's an off-label use. Or a patient population that is not indicated on the labeling may start to receive that same product. And real-world data can be used to really help inform, is there a hypothesis here? And is there a valid mechanism to consider when wanting to go down a labeling expansion pathway to FDA and eventually submit something called an SNDA or a supplemental new drug application? Do you have any examples of diseases where real-world data are currently providing long-term insights or long-term insights need to be used? That's a great question, Lori. And I think we can probably speak about this from, from the perspective of a disease known as cystic fibrosis. Interestingly, one of the standard of care therapies within cystic fibrosis is inhaling something called hypertonic saline. And the story goes, the way that physicians decided that hypertonic saline, or honestly, saltwater inhaled therapy was so beneficial to this patient community was that in Australia, the clinicians learned that, oh, you know, the patients with cystic fibrosis, or more shortly known as CF, who were surfers were actually living longer. So that's a very um, anecdotal story about how real world can be useful to inform standard of care. But looking at CF in a little bit more detail, CF is one of those rare diseases where the life expectancy has doubled really since the 90s as a result of more therapies coming to market, therapies that are actually addressing the underlying disease. And one of the interesting things that has happened is as these patients are starting to live longer, more challenges are starting to show up. So, for example, cystic fibrosis-related diabetes is now something that is coming up within this disease, whereas a lot of the complications people with CF may face are really going to be respiratory-focused. So this is an example where real-world data can really start to provide insights to understand the emergence of other burdens that some patient populations may see. And hopefully, these data can also be used to elucidate some of like the underlying reasons why these may come about, maybe perhaps even showing that there are some correlations that can be drawn. Perhaps there might even be some biomarkers that can be looked into. I have an additional question about that. Are you seeing within the industry, especially because this is a rare disease, that other diseases are being benefited by the lessons learned or the mistakes or seriously looking how certain diseases such as CF are using real-world data? And are you seeing the industry moving into using the same type of strategies to incorporate real-world data into their therapeutics for rare diseases? Absolutely. And I think, Lori, that ties in so nicely with some of the things that I was saying above where the concepts of scalability or really one of the linchpins in strategies should be this concept of a repeatable process. Not only what were the successes in other analogs or other therapeutic areas, what are the lessons learned? How can we as a community take these lessons learned across different disease states, apply them really just to maximize the real-world data and real-world evidence going forward, not just from a technology perspective, but also from an evidentiary perspective and also from the study design perspective, because we want to be able to take these concepts, have fit-for-purpose data that not only can inform our understanding of the disease, but can also be informative and also help us with regulatory decision-making to get products to market. 
Well, thank you, Reed D'Amico, for taking the time to have this conversation today. To learn more about real-world data and the regulatory landscape, please listen to our other podcasts discussing the FDA's guidance of real-world data use, quality, and benefits. I would like to also thank the sponsor of this podcast, Acuvia, for making this great discussion possible.